0: Welcome to the Living With Chronic Illness Podcast. I'm Mariel Metcalf, Head of Living With at Research Partnership. In the second installment of our four-part series on NASH, or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, we speak to Katie and explore the impact that NASH has on her day-to-day life. We hope you find this podcast of value, and if you want to find out more, please visit researchpartnership.com dot com forward slash living with. you've already spoken about your experience with being diagnosed with NASH, and now I'd like to talk to you about just how it affects you day to day. Do you currently experience any symptoms associated with NASH?
1: I have a lot of fatigue, tons of fatigue. I do have a lot of just overall body pain. It's hard to explain. I see a rheumatologist for It's very similar to like fibromyalgia pain, but none of this started until I was diagnosed with NASH. So they're uncertain whether or not it's related, but it's just overall exhaustion really. And, you know, I still work full time. I still have family I still do all the things that I do. So it's starting to catch up with me. But yeah, the biggest thing is the chronic fatigue. And then of course I do have some bloating issues Um, and some some pain on the liver side.
0: So how does the fatigue, how does that affect you day to day then?
1: A lot of it is also psychosocial. I mean, you remember how you were before you were diagnosed, and maybe you had a ton of energy, and you were always on the go, always on the go, so that's still how you want to be. (laughs) That's in your brain, but physically, you know, you'll go, you go, you go, and then you hit a brick wall. And you get so frustrated with yourself because this is not the way you used to be, and so it's not like old age where that's kind of a gradual decline. I kind of feel like this this has been uh, well, I don't want to say sudden because it's been over five years, but it just wasn't what I was expecting at my age <laughs> to feel such overwhelming fatigue. You know, I, I'm still doing all the things I did before. But I feel it now, and it takes me a couple of days to recuperate when I get super exhausted.
0: That's really interesting, because with these interviews we, we did in the U.S., I think it was around half of those who had NASH said it It really affected their ability to maintain energy levels and also good quality sleep. It det- disturbed their sleep. Um, oh, yes. Has that happened to you as well?
1: Yeah, I haven't slept well in in, in a probably five years.
0: So wow. It
1: just kind of is, you know, and you have to sort of find your sweet spot. And, and for me, it's, you know, as long as I push myself and I go as hard as I can, then I'll sleep. But it's not a restful sleep. It's an exhausted sleep. So um, I laugh just simply because what else can you do? I mean, it just kind of is.
0: Yes, I see what you mean. So, I mean... Now, I know you mentioned the physical impact, but what about the psychological or the emotional impact? How does that make you feel then?
1: You know, you worry if, you know, the disease is going to progress. You worry, you know, are are you going to remain stable? Is there going to be, can this be managed chronically? Is this something that can be cured one day? Is this something that's going to shorten my life? It's a lot. It's Yeah it's a lot to think about. And when you feel bad, you know, you tend to think about it more.
0: And what do you do in those times when I, I guess there are worries? Is there anything that you do to help that to cope? So
1: can I share a story with you? Sure. <laughs> <Of> okay. Course. <laughs> So when I was first diagnosed and I was going through all those different doctors and using Google as my main doctor, because all the other ones were terrible, <laughs> I was absolutely convinced that I was going to die, like really soon. So um, <laughs> so I jumped out of a plane, we went to Europe, we bought a new house, I got the car of my dream. I was absolutely sure, like, if I'm going to die, you know, I'm 40, I'm going to die, let's do all these things, blah, 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 and I did all those things, and I didn't die. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so um, needless to say, I'm in debt all the way up to here, but I had a really good time, but it was really, really frustrating. You know, in the beginning it's kind of liberating because you think, okay, you know, I get the chance to do all the things I ever wanted to do. You know, I'm gonna make this this fabulous. But then you realize that's not how this disease works. It just it really is, you know, day to day, it really is managing it like a chronic disease. It really is learning ways to cope. You know, how do you cope with the fatigue? How do you cope with, you know, learning how to say no to people? That was a Big, I'm still learning how to not stretch myself in and, and say no and, and things like that. And, you know, where, where do you find help? Where do you find resources? Learning how to practice self-help. Oh, my gosh, what is that? Self-care, you know, all of these things that, that we're supposed to be doing, you know. That's how you cope with all of those fears. You know, I promised myself to learn new things. You know, I have some hobbies, some crafty things, some art things that I like to do, and I compartmentalize a lot. <laughs> that helps me get through almost everything. It's not denial. It's just, you know, I'll put this over here and I'll deal with that a little bit later. <laughs> I'll do this and, I'll do this.
0: <laughs> and if that works. Um,
1: if it works. Yeah, it's, it's been a real learning process. It's not natural. You know, nobody teaches you how to deal with a disease like this it's not a natural feeling. So you have to learn to to live in, in a different way.
0: That living in the different way, could you give something specific about just something you've altered saying, well, I have this now, so I'm able to do it this way, which is different from the way I used
1: to do it. I do eat differently. I drink differently. Mm-hmm. I'm very conscious of what I put in my body. And I probably never thought that way before. Because really, if that's all you can do to i guess protect your liver from any more harm or damage or anything like that, you know you you do those things, so I'm really conscious of those things, um even like lotions that that go on my hand, you know what's in it? what are those ingredients you know mm. those kinds of things i've 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 changed that way. I live in a part of the United States that has a lot of mosquitoes in the summertime. So a lot of people will spray like the mosquito spray on their bodies or, or on their pets or, you know, around their yards or whatever. And I have to be very careful, you know, what am I using? Is that going you to know, damage? And then if I get a different kind of sick, like a cold or a flu or, or something like that, what kind of medications is that doctor going to prescribe me? And I'm just real conscious about that and checking with my hepatologist and then just the social aspect just making sure that there's a place for me to sit down if I get tired wherever we go Mm -hmm. that I have water and snacks in my bag in case I'm somewhere that just has really bad nachos um just yeah, and and learning how to say no because I was never somebody that said no and I still have a really hard time saying no. You know, letting people know that you know I might have felt fabulous yesterday. Did my hair, put on my makeup and we went to the movie or to did not during covid but you know what I mean. Sure. And then um today I'm barely in front of my computer for you know, work or for this or, or for whatever. And it's just, mm. that's just the way it is. I can't explain it. I try to explain it to myself. Why does my body work this way? Why was I great yesterday and I'm not great today? But that's, those are the different things. And it's just learning to look at the way that you live a little bit differently.
0: So I, I guess let's talk about relationships a little bit. Has this impacted how you relate to family friends colleagues do you explain to them you have it or do you keep that to yourself
1: in the work that I do there's a lot of communications in the work that I do I'm very comfortable communicating with people I think I made the mistake of sharing the news in the beginning because I was just so shocked that it happened to me Like, how could this happen to me? You know, I should have, I should have drank more. (laughs) You know know what I mean? And it's like, why? Why? And so I shared that news in the beginning with coworkers and then realized that I was being treated differently because they automatically assumed that I couldn't do what I used to do. And it was a weird feeling as somebody who's fiercely independent and I leave this team and I do this and I do that. And people are treating me like, you know, I'm frail and I'm sick or whatever. So I think thinking back, I would have kept that information to myself until I learned more or until I had a plan or until I was stable or whatever it was. But in the beginning, I shared that news with coworkers and that wasn't a great thing. And then with family members, not my husband and my kids, but like with extended family siblings best friends, things like that. There's one of two ways. Either they look at you like you're about to die or <laughs> they look at you like there's absolutely nothing wrong with you at all. And I'm thinking, you know, it's somewhere in between. <laughs> I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of all of that. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it's hard and especially something that I'm learning to live with as a chronic illness until there's a cure, which I hope maybe there, there will be one day. This is something that goes on forever. And sometimes people, you know, they just want to know that you're okay and, you know, move on with life. You touched
0: obviously a little bit on COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We are now. Has that at all impacted how you manage NASH?
1: COVID is really interesting simply because of who it impacts the hardest and folks who are um, immunocompromised, you know, folks that may not have the strongest immune systems. There's been studies that I've read about how COVID could impact people with liver disease worse than maybe someone who didn't have liver disease. So really, you know, maintaining social distance, trying to shelter in place, keeping away from crowds, I did all those things before COVID. Now I'm just much more aware. When everybody was looking for sanitizer and gloves and all that, I had them in my (laughs) closet because every time I flew on a plane, I put that stuff on because, you know, I can't deal with anything else. You know, I don't want to get anything else. I just want to get through with what I have. But it's funny now because now everybody looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. Just a little extra cautious and, you know, worried and of course my family is worried. They're afraid, you know, I have older kids who work but they still live at home. They're afraid to like come home and hug me or be near me because they don't want to make me sick and all of these things. So it's been tough. And then of course going in for all of the checkups during this time, making sure that they're being very safe at the center and that I'm safe going in there. I'm safe getting my scans. It's just all been really worrisome.
0: Have you had things like where you do telemedicine where you don't have to go in or, or you yourself because of the nature of the checkups you've had to go in to the hospital?
1: Yeah, so I've only had one telemedicine visit at the start of the whole COVID pandemic here in the States. And it was just a review of blood work. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but all the others have been in the office. And luckily it's not like an ER or a hospital where all of that stuff is happening. It's, it's like the liver center. It's not like going through the hospital. So they're still very careful. So I've felt very safe.
0: Good. So do you you have any other thoughts about how NASH impacts your life that's quite important that we haven't discussed?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know what it's like to have gotten NASH in any other way, so I can't talk from that aspect. But for me, my diagnosis came with other autoimmune issues in the beginning, which I think that's what led to the diagnosis, because I thought I had allergies. You know, I was having inflammation, I was having all of these different issues. So I feel like someone like me, you know, I had thyroid disease before, but it was like my thyroid went nuts. When my liver went bad, my thyroid went bad. It affected my skin, it affected, you know, my muscles, It you know, the fibromyalgia, all of those different things. So there's a lot of different issues that come along with having NASH. So your family is constantly learning how this disease impacts you and impacts the family dynamics. I'm great now in terms of fibromyalgia and all that. It's almost non-existent. But in the beginning, when I was first diagnosed, I felt so fragile. I was in pain. I was just not feeling great. And of course, you know, your kids don't want to hug you and and your spouse is afraid you're going to break and all of these different things and and you don't know what's happening to you. So I just feel like there needs to be more of a patient-centered type care in terms of people who have NASH rather than just because there's no FDA approved treatment therapy for you right now. Just go on and muddle through it. (laughs) Muddle through it until, you know, the next scan. And if, you know, you're still stable, okay, we'll see you later. It's just, it's one of those things where I feel like NASH can affect all other, you know, it's, it, it can be, it can also be systemic. It can affect you in so many different ways. And I felt like when I was talking to my doctor about you know, I'm having these rashes, I'm itching, I'm sore, I'm I'm all this stuff, you should go to your primary care physician, you should go see a dermatologist, I'm gonna punch you over to an endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. And I understand everybody has a role. But if they're not working in concert with your liver doctor, it's like playing whack-a-mole, you're not necessarily fixing the problem, you're just kind of putting out tiny fires while the big one still rages. That's been my biggest complaint, is that there's no patient-centered care in NASH. I haven't found that.
0: Thank you again, Katie, for taking us through your experience. In our next podcast, we will be talking about what lifestyle changes and treatments of people are using or taking to cope with their symptoms. So we hope you can join us for that session.